on the prequel to the 41st episode, we're learning about tech noir and previewing Minority Report. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the prequel to the 41st episode. Before we get going, I mentioned it at the end of last episode, but I'm just going to run it down here again about our guest host on the coming episode. Before we get to learning things, I wanted to plug the fact that Aaron Rabbi, host of Embrace the Void, Embrace the Void, not Boyd, and Philosophers in Space podcast will be joining us for the main episode. A bit about Aaron. He teaches philosophy at Rutgers, and his two podcasts spend a lot of time delving the philosophical depths of culture. I highly recommend both of the podcasts, and we're looking forward to breaking down Minority Report with him next week. So now, let's learn some things. Let's let's learn about tech noir. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Um, Okay, so tech noir um, is something that I had not heard of prior to when I started kind of digging into this story. Uh Um, So it is a hybrid genre of science fiction and detective fiction. And the name Tech Noir actually comes from the movie Terminator. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the name of the nightclub. Oh, okay. In the movie. Huh. I, which, I, I've only seen Terminator once when I was Well, confession, younger. I've never seen Terminator, yeah. so... <laughs> it's been a long time, and I remember very little, so... Um, Tech Noir, it's also a close cousin of the cyberpunk mm-hmm. genre of science yeah. fiction, so we can't really talk about Tech Noir without talking about cyberpunk. Yes. Um, so cyberpunk, uh, it has its roots in the science fiction of the 60s and 70s, um, but most consider William Gibson's 1984 novel Neuromancer to be what really like solidified I've it heard of as Neuromancer, a genre. But... I've never read Neuromancer. I read um, Pattern Recognition okay. in college, and I didn't really care for it. Is that another one of his books? Um, I yeah. assume. Okay. <laughs> so I never really had any desire to read Neuromancer, but Fair it's enough. it's like a seminal. Yeah, so I've um, heard of it. Yeah, science fiction, big landmark yeah. in that genre. Um, But cyberpunk is a really bleak, dystopian vision Mm -hmm. of the future that kind of stands in stark contrast to, like, a more Jetsons-like vision where everything is white and chrome and clean lines and looks like it was made by Apple. Uh Um, Although, by and large, this is more of an aesthetic difference than anything else because that everything was made by Apple future can certainly be its own type of dystopia. Yes, I was say that can also be a dystopia. Yes. <laughs> yes, in the aesthetic of it. Yes. Um, cyberpunk is characterized by a combination of low life and high tech. Um, so we have urban settings. We have a general, like, seedy, grungy atmosphere and aesthetic, um, cybernetics and artificial intelligence, and a rebellion against authoritarian power structures that misuse that world's technology. Yes. Um, that's pretty much what cyberpunk is defined by. It's an exploration of the anxieties that come along with technology. Yeah. Um, So Tech Noir then branches off slightly from cyberpunk in that it adds a hard-boiled detective element Mm -hmm. to the mix, although it should be noted that most examples of Tech Noir still include the rebellion against a corrupt authority element, Um, the two most well-known examples being Terminator and Blade Runner. Yes. 
Um, but much like the hard-boiled detectives of 1930s fiction, many of tech noir protagonists start out as kind of part of the power the system, structure, yeah. and then they have to go rogue in order to accomplish whatever task is set out for them by the narrative. Yes, and, and for instance, oh, I don't know if you're going to go there with Blade Runner or not, but... Um, well, I was... I was going to, for instance, Blade Runner, but... I, don't uh, jump I think on you. that's that's a good for instance for my next okay. thing. I was gonna say that in tech noir, it's often because they suddenly find themselves a victim of the authoritarian structure that they were previously helping to uphold. Right. Um, is that the case in Blade Runner? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, in Blade Runner, he is a he's a detective, quote unquote, who hunts down and retires replicants, mm -hmm. so thus being part of the system, and then sort of a. Go, takes his own path towards yeah. the end once yeah. he he sort of has starting having starts to have moral quandaries about yes what he's doing same thing similarly uh and we'll get into it with minority report but there's a, a similar-ish type of story yeah. and now Which, it goes a completely different direction in the movie i don't know how it goes <laughs> in the short story but the movie is its own thing but but that actually brings me to our homework okay it's been a while since we've had homework yeah um but i wanted us to see how well we thought Minority Report fit into the tech noir genre, as I've outlined it. Yes. Well, I can guarantee that it's, I mean, it's absolutely cyberpunk. Uh, it, you know, mm -hmm. be, uh, I've seen Minority Report a few times. Uh, mm -hmm. It's been a few years, but I've seen it a few times. And I believe it would also definitely fit in tech noir. I think some other big examples, if you want some more examples of what cyberpunk tech noir uh there is a pretty popular Netflix TV series or Netflix series that was came out last summer the, uh, called Altered Carbon that mm -hmm. is absolutely um, both cyberpunk and tech noir. I mean, it literally yeah. looks exactly like Blade Runner. Yeah. Uh, and it's about a he's not a detective, quote unquote, but he kind of operates. He's like solving a mystery. He gets hired essentially to solve a, a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. But in this sort of futuristic replicant-y, like, people can jump in and out of what they call sleeves, where you basically, your whole brain is uploaded into a computer chip, mm -hmm. and as long as that computer chip doesn't get destroyed, when you die, you don't die. You yeah. can get your computer chip information transferred into a different body and uh, power back, spin back up, is how they describe it. Um, and it's very much a... Uh, an exploration of how people use and abuse that technology and that sort of thing and sort mm -hmm. of the power dynamics of the, the, the elite versus the, you know, it's, yes. it's also very much a critique <laughs> of capitalism as most good dystopian <laughs> sci-fi is. But, uh, uh yeah, um, it's a, it's a good show and it's another good example of cyberpunk slash tech noir yeah. that I watched recently. And I would say that there's really only like a shade of difference between yeah. cyberpunk and tech noir. It's kind of like who's your protagonist yeah. is what basically what it kind of yeah. boils down to, it sounds like. Is your protagonist a detective of some sort? Right. Is or there, is, is is there that element of like noir and mystery um, or is it more about like a ragtag team of rebels or yeah. something like that? Yeah, which, uh, yeah, that's interesting because Altered Carbon kind of does both of those, which it has. Yes. There is a ragtag group of rebels in that show in sort of this one narrative, but it's also very much a, a you know, hard-boiled detective there's a game coming out but i think that's also going to be a tech noir there's a game coming out called cyberpunk 2077 hmm. made by the same people who made the witcher mm. um and it looks fantastic but uh it's set in 2077 mm -hmm. and everybody you can get like cybernetic implants and you know 
so it's it and it's called literally called cyberpunk <laughs> and i don't know if you know that probably might be less of a tech noir because i don't know how much of a detective you are in that one i think you're just like a a person doing jobs like to kind of yeah. survive kind of thing kind of like the witcher but anyway even the witcher's kind of tech noir or kind of noiry in the way it's told anyways mm-hmm. anyways regardless uh that's cyberpunk and tech noir so yeah let's see if minority report is fits into that category yeah. fun all right let's move on to minority report short story facts Jed, what's coming? Double homicide, one male, one female. Killer's male, white, 40s. Set up a perimeter and tell them we're en route. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks. Give the man his hand. Yeah, um, it's actually the minority report yes. for yeah. the story. They drop the the. Yeah, the movies drop the a lot. They yeah. drop the us and the thes and all the articles. We don't need those. Yeah. Uh, but it is a 1956 short story by Philip K. Dick, mm-hmm. who is now a This Film is Lit repeat author. Yes. This is the second work that we've done by him. The first being Blade Runner. Yes. <laughs> um, or Do was, Androids Dream of Electric Sleep. Or no, Do, Android and do Androids Dream, dream of, of Electric Sheep, yes. not Electric Sleep. <laughs> I think I did that same mistake back then, but yeah. Uh, it was first published in the sci-fi magazine Fantastic Universe, okay. which is no longer a publication, um, but they okay. they published quite a few um, like people who are big names yeah. now. Um, and like just about everything in the 1950s and 60s, the story is a reflection of Cold War anxieties, okay. uh, particularly the relationship between authoritarianism and individual autonomy. Yeah. Uh, the story also questions the existence of free will. Which is why I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm a big fan. I enjoy it. Um, and I, I didn't have, that's basically all I have about the story. Yeah. So uh, kind of to fill this out, I have a couple of interesting things about Philip K. Dick. All right. Since we weren't doing the learning things segment. Yeah, we weren't doing this we back did. when Blade Runner yeah. in episode five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's an interesting thing that I didn't know. The K in Philip K. Dick stands for kindred. Oh. His like name is kindred Philip. Spirits? Yes. His name is Philip Kindred Dick. Kindred Dick. Yes. That's, that's all right. That's a that's, that's something. pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, he also wrote under the pen names Richard Phillips and Jack Dowland. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Haven't heard either of those. Me either. Um, I would wager to guess that all of his stuff is just published under his name now that he is a name. Yeah. Um, but his work was not initially commercially successful. Uh, the novel The Man in the High Castle won a Hugo Award, which gave him some notoriety. Yeah. Um, his work tackles issues of theology, philosophy, and the nature of reality, mm-hmm. which makes it great yes. for Aaron to come on. Yes, which is why I pulled him on. Cause, yeah. And also they've done an episode on uh, Philosophers in Space has done an episode on this mm-hmm. uh, movie slash short story. So, But yeah, and especially with free will determinism being one of the main sort of themes of uh-huh. this story. I'm not well versed enough. I, it's something I find fascinating. I'm not particularly well versed enough to like just go in depth with it, but Aaron is, so yeah. that's why we're having him on. Um, and my last fun fact: in 2007, Dick became the first science fiction writer to be included in the Library of America series, which is a nonprofit publisher of classic American literature. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that, like, for any genre work. 
to be considered literature or classic literature is a fucking accomplishment yeah. because yeah. we are snobs. Yeah. Genre <laughs> works not generally. Yeah. Doesn't generally get that nod. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to Minority Report book or movie facts. We are arresting individuals who have broken no law. But they will. The fact that you prevent it from happening doesn't change the fact that it was going to happen. The system can't be wrong. Can you say something, Chief? No. You're in a lot of trouble, John. I have a warrant in my pocket that says murder. Don't run. You don't have to chase me. All right. Minority Report is a 2002 film directed by... The great Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. and adapted by Scott Frank, who also wrote Logan. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, him and James Mangold mm-hmm. co-wrote it, kind of. But he, yeah, he's credited as the writer for Logan. So when uh, this is, I got just a, a mishmash of interesting facts here uh, that I, some of them I think there are things to kind of look out for watching it. If you haven't watched the movie yet in preparation for the podcast when you're watching it this time. And this is one that I thought was very interesting. When John Anderton, Tom Cruise's character, visits the jail, uh, he uses a retina scanner at one point. Mm -hmm. And the retina scanner scans his eye and makes a confirmation sound that years later, Apple would use as the charging sound for their phones. Really? Which is an interesting choice. Um, Yeah, it is. That that (laughs) boop sound when you plug your... So we need to hear that. And then when you're watching him scan his retina in the jail scene, again, I don't remember when that is. Listen for that sound. Apparently, it's the oh. charging sound. So during that scene, I'm going to be like, who plugged their phone in? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is really interesting. Uh, speaking to the cyberpunk setting of the story, three years before production began, Steven Spielberg assembled a team of 16 future experts in Santa Monica to brainstorm out the year 2054, where the movie takes place. Um and this group was made up of, and the list has all the, the list I found has all the actual specific people, but just kind of a general, mm-hmm. here's kind of the people he had in this group. Uh, they had artists, designers, architects, science researchers, biomedical researchers, authors, virtual reality inventors, at like tops of their field from uh, like a, a car designers, uh-huh. like from all these different things to kind of build out the world in a way that he thought would feel realistic for see that's 2054 cool. yeah like it's cool to have the resources to be able to do that to yeah. pull in ex- experts and be like okay what do you think things are gonna yeah. look like in x number of years yeah and he did it. he pulled in the you know bunch of really interesting experts and said let's let's figure this out and and speaking of that topic the film actually did a pretty amazing job of quote-unquote predicting now some of these things were things that we were working on and kind mm-hmm. of knew were coming but they weren't prevalent right. technologies at the time uh did a pretty amazing job of predicting prominent future tech uh gesture control which i remember from the film where he uses his hands to kind of move like it's a like it's a little more nebulous in the film he's using him like moving around in midair and like controlling mm-hmm. a computer screen on the wall but it's very he's using it similar to how when you swipe and and oh, pinch okay. and, yeah, and yeah, twist yeah. on your iphone or your ipad and that sort of thing uh so that's gesture control eye and fingerprint recognition as a huge thing in the movie um and they're available now. I mean, like your phone, obviously, yeah. has facial yeah. recognition, eye recognition, fingerprint recognition. Um, and even touchscreen, captivating touch, was introduced in a large scale uh, through the first Apple iPhone in 2007, five years after 
this movie. So there's a handful of like, and, and there's even more beyond that. But, and some of the things are a lot more far-fetched. One of the things I saw is that Steven Spielberg knew, like they use jet packs in the movie. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg knew that's not a thing that's probably ever really going to be a practical yeah. usage yeah. thing. Uh, but he just wanted it because he liked, he, he was hearkening back to the sci-fi stories of his childhood mm-hmm. that he, you know, the sort of, uh, Flash Gordon-y, whatever. I don't know if that's a perfect example, but the the, the sort of serialized like spaceman on jetpacks flying yeah. around. He wanted a little <laughs> bit of that aesthetic in the movie too. So the film uh, was almost shot a few years earlier than it was uh, before Steven Spielberg decided to do AI, artificial intelligence, in two thousand one. And he at that time he decided to have the Minority Report script reworked. According to reports, this is interesting. Tom Cruise was still going to play the main character, but his co-stars in that version would have been Kate Blanchett as Agatha, who's one of the precogs, mm-hmm. Matt Damon as Whitwer, who is uh, eventually became Colin Farrell mm-hmm. in the one the the version that exists, and Ian McKellen as Burgess, who is Max von Sydow. Mm-hmm. So Ian McKellen would have played the. The sort of head of the, uh, like the top of the crime, pre-crime system. And then uh, his wife, Laura Anderton, would have been Jenna Elfmanis, who I looked her up and I recognized her, but I don't know what I recognized her from. So (laughs) instead of the woman that did get cast. uh, Oh, Samantha Morton. Yes. A random little fun thing. Steven Spielberg hired the top 12 contortionists from around the world to do the futuristic yoga scene. There's a yoga class, future yoga class at one point, and he hired 12 of the world's top contortionists for that scene. So he hired like Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) Uh, So kind of going back to how this movie came about, the adaptation of the short story Minority Report, The Minority Report by Philip K. Dick, was originally optioned in 1992. And I'll note that this movie came out in 2002, so it took a little while to get going, as most of our <laughs> adaptations have been, Yeah, you know, take a decade, if not yeah, more. Yeah, they tend to sit. Yeah, and get worked on and reworked mm-hmm. on and reworked on. And so that's one of the, that, this is really interesting. Originally, the 1992 option was planned as a sequel to Total Recall, which is a 1990 Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Uh, interesting okay. sci-fi flick where he... It's about like memory implantation and and mm-hmm. like and sort of experience versus it's there's a, a really great philosophers in space episode two of them I think on Total Recall if you want to check that out we'll never get to Total Recall because I don't and actually it might be I don't know if it's an adaptation or not I can't recall but anyways uh, and the two writers from that movie Ronald Shusett and Gary Goldman were going to write the Minority Report and did start writing a script mm-hmm. in fact Gary Goldman's script was eventually the one that was kind of completely changed and reorganized to make. The version we have today. So the setting for the Minority Report originally, making it a sequel to Total Recall, they were going to change the setting to Mars, and the precogs were going to be people because mu- it, it's Total Recall t- takes place on Mars a lot mm-hmm. of it, um, and the their precogs were going to be people that had been mutated by the Martian atmosphere, and that's why they okay. have this ability. Interesting. Um, and because that, that is a thing that happens in Total Recall is like some somehow the Martian atmosphere affects people and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, I, I haven't actually seen Total Recall, so. And the main character was going to not be John Anderton, but Douglas Quaid, who is the main character from Total Recall, who Arnold Fair Schwarzenegger enough. plays. Now, I don't know if Arnold Schwarzenegger would have reprised <laughs> that role. That would have been interesting. Uh, but, yeah. So, basically, they were going to, like, pirate the, the story. They were going to pirate the story idea. to use it as a sequel to a very popular. I gotcha. Uh, and that, that's all I had. But, finally, I wanted to mention, I, I brought this up, or I, I found this quote, and I. It's sort of a spoilery 
for the main episode, but it's not it's not a spoiler for the movie. It's just a spoiler for our discussion to some extent. This is a quote by Steven Spielberg in June of 2002. The Philip K. Dick story only gives you a springboard that really doesn't have a second or third act. Most of the movie is not in Philip K. Dick's story. <laughs> to the chagrin of the Philip K. Dick fans, I'm sure. <laughs> so... That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, I, I read the story. I've finished it. And yeah. it is pretty spare. Yeah. It's only like between 30 and 40 pages. Yeah. So, so. I, yeah. when I saw that quote, I was like, well, it's a bit of a spoiler. But I also, again, I, as with most of the short stories that we do, I kind of know. Yeah. They took the idea. They expanded on it immensely to make a feature length. Uh, yeah, movie, you so. have to. Yeah. So uh, well, we're going to look for some of the details that were plucked from the short story and see what remains, what changes. And uh, we'll have two experts next episode that I can grill and figure out <laughs> and get down to the brass tacks of Minority Report. So yeah, one week, Minority Report. Uh, I don't know if it's available to stream anywhere, but it probably is. I don't know. Just find it and watch it. Anyways, that'll be one week from today. And until then, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else, keep reading books. Keep, I stole your part. How dare you? Say it. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep being awesome.